to the Atem podcast. My name is Dorota Buskela and this is a place to be to catch up on what you missed at the 2021 edition of the online 24 hours of Atem. So, for this 16th episode, we will cover next-gen supply chain delivering efficiency and precision. Let's start the engines! Um, all right. Uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for joining and uh, good day, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another session uh, on today's series on new monetization workflows. In delivering efficiency and precision, we dive into the fundamentals and best practices in setting up a modern media supply chain. Whether you're a content owner serving a small customer base through a service provider with hundreds of thousands of customers. Today we have three amazing presenters. Um, uh, from ATEM, Blue Lucy, and Intrasystems. I'll try to do a quick intro and then I'll hand over the floor to John Wee. So uh, the first presenter is from ATEM, John Wee, with over 25 years in the industry. John, John Wee recently joined ATEM to drive its media origination solutions. Having previously worked for a service provider in Amsterdam, providing ward and linear playout for blue chip media companies. And uh, next presenter will be Julian Wright, uh, who is founder and director of Blue Lucy and its product owner of Blam, which is Blue Lucy Automation for Media. Hello, Julian. And uh, our next presenter will be Saurabh Jain from uh, Intrasystems, who is having over 18 years of industry experience, currently holding position uh, as a director strategic uh, partnerships and integrations at Intrasystems. Without much ado, uh, Jean-Louis, I uh, hand over the floor to you. Thank you, Babu. And good morning, everyone. Uh, an, an early start there for you, Julian. Uh, what's the time? Six o'clock in, in, in the UK. Uh, Sarab, it's a little bit more normal for you on India. Um, so a quick uh, run through on the agenda for this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever we are around the globe. A little bit of background on the media supply chain, uh, where the state of affairs, what's the foundation for a modern supply chain, uh, then delivering that modern supply chain. And finally, we've got what we think are a few tips and tricks that you should keep in mind when you uh, start to look at how do you move to you know, a completely modern supply media supply chain. So without further ado, um, Let's let, let's talk about um, you know the importance of the next gen media supply chain. This data actually is taken from the DPP survey done back in April 2020. Um, you know there has been wide di widespread discussion on the new fully digital cloud led uh, supply chains in the media industry so since about 2016, um, and you know you are seeing companies now um, you know take this theory into practice essentially and um they have raised some fundamental questions around um you, you know how best to operate this um whatever the challenges of implementing next-gen supply chains though uh the attempts to do so can no longer be regarded as a fanciful so you know you can you've got to take this now as the serious point about how you change your workflows, how you change your media management uh, and operation. Um, and, you know, I think critically here, um, 2020, and we've still got it ongoing today. Yes, I'm going to raise that lovely word. COVID um, is still having an impact, but the lessons learned 
out of those those first adopters moving to a truly you know what i'd say is cloud-based um media supply chain there are lessons to learn that can be taken and then brought through to everyone else and shared and that's what we're hoping to do today is give you some insights into uh how to operate that media supply chain i think first and foremost um you, you know what does a supply chain look like um you know, it, it's a classic workflow from commissioning and acquisition. You're doing some production, some post-production content prep. Um, you need to transcode. You need to be QCing that content. And finally, you are doing the delivery, whether that delivery is directly to the consumer, if you're a third party, or, sorry, if you're a service provider or a telco, um, or it could be that you're actually selling this content on to another broadcaster. If you are a, you, you know, production company or a, another broadcaster selling to yet another broadcaster, a studio and so forth. But again, using the DPP as a reference point, um, they quite clearly define these as three crucial steps, which is procure, whether that is their commissioning or an acquisition, the create, shape, manage the inventory and consume. So again, it doesn't matter where you live in that ecosystem, these steps and the blocks within them, of course, are interchangeable about what you need to do are always the same. So you can take that high level view and you can always apply it to whatever it is that you need to be building for your next gen modern uh, supply chain. Um, but let's, let's, let's go back to the future a little bit. Um, you, you know, the modern supply chain is working, but is it optimal? Um, you, you know, we know that it's been in place for quite some time for doing multi-channel play out. It's well understood how to do that. Uh, now integration of operations and linear is key. And in fact, you know, VOD is now leading quite often a lot of operations. So you've got to be getting rid of that silo mentality. Um, out of that comes content discovery. So of course, you've got the classic workflows of onboarding your content uh, for new content, but organizations are realizing that there's a lot of content in their archive and they want to be able to monetize that content and um, bring it to market. So you have to go through that process of content discovery. What do you have? When you do that, quality control becomes essential. Um, it's a key component of understanding, do I deliver quality to my viewer? Um, doing that QC process then enriches your metadata and metadata really becomes a first-class asset. Uh, whether that's segmentation information, SOM, EOM, to drive uh, advertising uh, and DAI workflows, or whether it's, um, you know, synopsis, uh, synopsis and, and metadata information to for the audience. And as as the uh, um, as it changes and morphs, you know, we're going to be generating even more and more metadata and people are looking to build metadata lakes that really has an incredible amount of depth to each individual asset that is stored. Um, you know, that content discovery naturally leads on to global volume. Um, you know, so you as a content owner, content service provider, are wanting to put more content through that 
pipe. Um, so to do that, you need to be fulfilling content that is not only available locally on day one, but everywhere on day uh, on day one. So that means you need to be driving your efficiencies. Uh, you have to rationalize and, and optimize your media workflows. Um, and that's not just internally, but also how you interact with your partners, whether that is inbound uh, for receiving content or pushing out uh, outbound. Um, so that onboarding process needs to be simplified and made more elegant. Often onboarding takes too much time. And, you know, around that process of onboarding and the end-to-end -end comes automation, that's key. Finally, um, it, you know, we still see a huge amount of uh, human capital going into uh, running operations. Um, how do I save on my operational cost while doing more? So it's not about, you know, it's about doing more with the same amount of people you have today. Um, you need to be getting to a state of what we like to call as managed by exception. Um, that has to become the norm rather than having a lot of people doing uh, the operation. You only do that by exception. So you've got to be flipping things around. Uh, this then means ultimately you are doing more at scale. So I hope that gives a little bit of background onto where we are today and, and what the demands are going forward. If I move forward a little bit and start to think about um, the foundation of the media supply chain, I'm going to hand over to Julian now just to talk about a few points here around that. Okay, uh, so I think what we, in, in preparing for this um, session, we've been trying to um, distill down what are the key tenets, if you like, of uh, a modern efficient um, supply chain. And I think as Jean-Louis mentioned there, automation is really the top of the list. Um, although that drives a lot of the um, capabilities, uh, outcomes underneath it. So by automation, we mean processes that are effectively controlled by computers. So processes that are, do not require uh, or have minimal human intervention. That sounds very kind of base and normal, but there are lots of operational practices that, that we've observed, particularly in service providers that are still very manual. If you can automate those processes, you can drive consistency. So workflows, automated computer-based workflows drive consistency. They also obviously reduce the um, operational overhead because you've got systems providing capability rather than people. People are very, very flexible, but for uh, lots of repeatable, almost mundane tasks, automation is, is key to a modern supply chain. Uh, so as I said, automation drives consistency and consistency drives precision. So when you're building your automated supply chain, sometimes it takes uh, a little time to set up, to tweak, to optimize, when you've got that workflow in place, everything that you put through it will be handled in a consistent and precise manner. So it requires much less intervention, human intervention. So automation drives consistency, consistency drives precision. So these are all kind of um, linked together. The next point on, on the slide there is 
one operation. So in the uh, diagram there, the uh, procure, uh, shape, manage and consume uh, chain, within, within that, typically in, in, in a media operation there, over the years, there have been a number of silos that um, uh, are created. With a modern supply chain, you should look to join those together. It doesn't necessarily mean they're operationally joined together, but the data flow, the process flow should be between these discrete operational functions. You're creating one operation with a single view. That's not to say you're slamming everything together and making a big mess of it. It's just about connecting those processes in a more um, efficient way. Um, location agnostic. Again, your, your preparation, um, your content supply chain is going to be disparate in different places. Um, and I don't just mean um, you've got a facility on one side of town to uh, another facility. We're talking about whether the operation is on-prem, whether it's in the cloud, whether it's in a different continent. It shouldn't matter. It's, it's very easy now to build content supply chains that are international uh, effectively location agnostic. Um, and the last point that I think uh, Jean-Louis just touched on it um, earlier is managed by exception. Now, that is both kind of a, a benefit of a modern content supply chain and also a necessity of the modern world. So uh, a modern connected uh, digital content supply chain allows by its nature to uh, raise alerts and alarms or um, uh, calls for human intervention if um, content doesn't meet some criteria or there's an error with it. Um, so rather than having to monitor process with humans, you can allow the automated system to provide monitoring for you and raise um, uh, interventions as necessary. So that's all very good, but it's also a necessity. The content volumes we're talking about these days compared with 20 years ago are, are just so much higher, it's almost impossible to monitor every um, uh, aspect uh, in detail. So we have to manage by exception. We have to flip that model. Rather than monitoring our workflows, we're monitoring exceptions to our workflows. Uh, okay, Johnny. Uh, thanks. So um, I think just a, uh, there's a couple of slides here just trying to follow up on that point about the complexity of uh, the delivery needs of, of 2021 as we are now. So uh, and kind of where our, our bland platform has come from, the problems that we're trying to solve. So this is a very simplified cartoon of what a, a modern content supply chain um, looks like. It's complicated. The, the days of delivering a tape and um, subtitles on a floppy disk to a broadcaster and that being the end of it are well and truly behind us. We need to deliver to multiple platforms in multiple formats. Um, and we need to deliver multiple assets. It's not just the video and audio. It's audio, video, subtitles, different language versions, electronic press kit. There is so much more content to manage now that the process is... Um, is complex. And with BLAM um, and content supply chain generally, we try and smooth that out um, 
and make things a little bit more organized. Saurabh, you're up. Yeah, so internal systems has been a market leader in QC and monitoring space with the enterprise class solutions that help streamline media quality assurance across the entire creation and distribution supply chain. Uh, to aid uh, automated content verification, Intera offers Baton, which is a leading ML and AI enabled automated QC platform that uh, provides comprehensive quality and compliance checks for VOD content um, in the cloud, on-premise, for linear and streaming workflows. Intera's Baton is a hybrid QC solution that implements organizational QC policy to support a combination of automated and manual QC checks. The result is a well-integrated and efficient broadcast workflow. Baton can be set up to perform in-depth audio-video quality analysis, can signal for regulatory issues like uh, audio loudness, photosensitive epilepsy, um, EA stones, among others. The tool ensures seamless delivery to VOD platforms like Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime Video, iTunes, Hulu, and performs specification compliance in accordance with compression standards like HEVC, S264, and Dolby Codex, among others. <clears throat> Baton is used by global broadcasters, cable companies, telcos, OTT vendors, post-production houses, and archiving companies working with file-based content. The next slide. Um, <clears throat> so um, Baton is well deployed in customer workflows and accordingly supports a wide range of media formats. Um, and offers comprehensive quality checks, including extensive subtitles and closed caption verification, audio language identification, uh, PSE correction, loudness detection, and correction. Baton's powerful media player is extensively used for frame accurate review. Uh, Baton provides rich QC uh, analytics and smart workflow tools are deployed to cater to end-to-end -end media workflows. Baton's scalable architecture and ease of deployment on cloud or on-prem lets users expand the Baton setup as their QC needs grow. Uh, Baton's high availability feature guarantees uh, business continuity even if some of the hardware component fails. So, uh, the next slide. So, I, I, I think, you, you know, when you start to look at an overall end-to-end -end workflow, there are quite a few components in those workflows but what we're trying to highlight here is is three things three foundational building blocks one is the actual orchestration platform which is blam um, two is the qc process which is in terabaton and then uh third on this is actually the transcoding because what you receive in um through the process and what you need to push out are, uh, you know, typically or often anyway, different file formats. Um, and this is really where Titan File fits into that workflow. Um, Titan File is really content agnostic. So, you know, whether it is mezzanine formats or high bit rate production, studio production formats on the inbound uh, through to ABR ladders, um, and other, or other mezzanine files on the output, uh, .ts files, etc. We support all those files end to end. Importantly, it's a um, microservices uh, technology, so architecture. So it's designed to run 
in the cloud or on-prem. And when running in the cloud, it's highly elastic. So um, you can scale up hundreds, if not thousands of um, instances to deal with your demand of content as required. And that elasticity is ultimately controlled by the workflow manager, which is BLAM. And that integration is, is fully developed. Um, so it can, um, of course, you're plugging in with DRM. Um, and then, but Titanfile has a, some unique process, well, not unique, but has some core processes in there about decoding, understanding what it is this content has in it, the processing of that content, finally the encoding of it, and then the packaging. Um, but, you, you know, today's media supply chain is often needs to be done quickly. So we've got some nice features in there, especially when you start talking about UHD workflow, where it can take time to process. You want to be able to speed that up. So we have a unique... Um, split and stitch technology, which goes through, and if you say you have an hour long file that you need to rapidly transcode, we can say, let's cut that up into six, six 10 minute pieces. And it will then distribute that over six transcoders and we'll stitch that all back together at the end, enabling you to rapidly um, transcode UHD content, but it works for SD and HD as well. Um, but typically you don't have so much resource constraints when you're doing those type of file formats. Um, and, and really the key here is about how do you manage this on-prem and in the cloud? Um, and that, that's where that workflow and orchestration function comes in, which I think is a nice uh, way to dovetail into our next one, which is, you know, what is delivering a media supply chain to that market? Yeah, we, I think we want to raise a poll, right? To get yeah, that's a good idea, interest. actually. Yeah. So uh, to all the attendees, uh, we will raise a, a poll, which will ask in a question about uh, how uh, you want to run your business and how we can able to achieve that through the orchestration and transcoding. I hope you will be able to see the uh, question now. It'll be good if you can select your answers. We will have 30 seconds for this. Interesting. I can see the polling uh, is still going on, but I think uh, we should get going. Okay. I see being highly agile um, and also able to have granular cost reporting to, for each transaction seems to be some of the needs. Over to you, John Wee, to take forward. I actually over to Julian. Yes, indeed. Um, so uh, we're about halfway through the, the one-way um, section of the, uh, the presentation. So it's probably, uh, before we dive into the 11 steps, we just, uh, good idea just to recap on some of those key themes that we're talking about here. So automate workflows. Sounds simple, um, but I think what we mean is, um, the, the benefits of automation. Automation drives efficiency, it drives consistency, and, and driving consistency leads to precision. So I think the modern content supply chain almost essentially has to be automated. I think to the point of volumes coming through, we want to, automation allows us to manage by exception, but I always think that management by exception is essential given the volumes. What do we mean by that? In the context of 
of QC that uh, Sarab was going through there earlier, which was saying, well, if content's coming through and it's being QC'd by automation, we as an operator only need to know when there's a problem, when a human needs to intervene. If there's not a problem, then the um, uh, content could continue to, to go through the workflow. So only intervene when we need to, manage by exception. Um, deploy anywhere, there's a, a cloud symbol there. But I think what we're saying is that although the cloud is increasingly important in a modern supply chain, it's not essential. What we're actually saying is that it doesn't matter um, where particular aspects of your operation are. They can be all cloud, all on-prem, multiple continents, multiple buildings. They can be anywhere. Modern content supply chain is geographic agnostic, if you like. Doesn't need to be cloud, it can be a hybrid of the two. Oops. Okay, do you want to start with this, um, uh, Sarah? Yeah, so um, on your screen, uh, you see a typical broadcast media operation workflow. Uh, the content goes through multiple churns before it goes on air. So let us take, take you through this journey from ingest to layout. Um, on the ingest, uh, uh, so file QC is effectively used by end customers to automatically ingest content in their facility based on a predefined specification or a house format. So this in, uh, integration of various file transfer solutions and the ability to analyze growing files allows Beaten to reject an incoming file by analyzing the first couple of frames and comparing with ingest specification thus introducing efficiencies and um, expediting the overall turnaround. <clears throat> As Julian was uh, hinting that uh, you know, this process is uh, fairly automated and uh, the, the <clears throat> operator will need to intervene only when Baton uh, raises an alarm. So based on the content source, like if it is tape ingest or you know, being pushed in after uh, editing or any other file transformation, an in-depth audio-video quality check can be performed to detect block errors, cadence issues, or any analog uh, or digital noise that got introduced during the ingest process. So this quickly ensures that the content is fit for further processing and uh, gives you enough automation. Yeah, and, and I, I think you know you touched on an important point there. You know, it, it's about one process, and really the key to this workflow here, while it's higher level. It can be how your facility and your operation works. It's about unified workflows for both linear and non-linear. Um, having a single pane view that your operation team and even your clients because of multi-tenancy support uh, has around the operation. So whether that's metadata from your traffic system or multiple traffic systems flowing through right through to your final delivery, whether that's for linear or non-linear workflows, um, it's about that single, I mean, single pane view that gives you all the data on your operation, dashboards that are meaningful, reporting that is meaningful. Um, you know, and those QC reports that are meaningful to allow you to uh, operate. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, so uh, um, having a single uh, view or a single pane for the entire process gives uh, the end user a lot more control and, uh, you know, <laughs> lesser worries and more control is what I uh, uh, 
space. So <clears throat> now uh, with the content becoming global uh, and being delivered to multiple platforms in so many variants, it is uh, it becomes physically impossible for eyeballs to examine each and every frame. Uh, so here, Baiting comes in very handy. Uh, using Baiting file QC uh, is most extensively used before content is delivered to these platforms in different formats, resolutions, and bit rates. So the, the elaborate ABR checks and extensive quality checks ensures that the automatic examination for pristine content uh, uh, delivery. <coughs> Baiting auto QC video and captions are spatial compliant, adhere to the platform requirements. And are delivered in correct format and language, so uh, giving you again a lot of automation and uh, with with the uh, intervention required only if uh, Bitten flags any errors. I think I think I think the management by exception uh, is exemplified by QC more than any other area in this um, yeah. in this overall production chain really because because of the the high volume of uh, deliverable formats for the various platforms that need to be created. It is impossible for idols to check every single um, uh, asset, every single file that gets delivered. So that's QC, file-based automated QC is probably one of the most significant areas where that the message of management by exception comes through. And for me, this this drawing is, um, it looks quite complex, but I think it kind of, for me, it, it justifies why we we built BLAM in the way that we have because the sheer number of services that need to be controlled, managed, orchestrated in the modern content supply chain is, I mean, this is a very simplified drawing. If you think about uh, the number of individual processes that might sit underneath that, um, it's, you know, it's, again, it's impossible to, to run that manually. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's, it's a very clear drawing for me, that one. Um, okay, so this is, um, uh, we've got a few kind of like real world um, use cases um, that, that we've, we've put together in the next slides um, on um, various functions that a platform like BLAM um, can perform. In fact, we've got BLAM and uh, ATEM operating um, uh, in this manner. Um, and what the what the BLAM can do with the, the integration with the ATEM uh, uh, Titan services is perform a number of those kind of uh, orchestration functions. So uh, in this case, um, we've got uh, some services and media in the cloud, and we've also got services um, and media um, uh, on-prem. Um, and what the, the BLAM can do is that it can provide um, load balancing capability at its core, which means that we can use the most appropriate um, resources based on um, how many jobs there are in a queue. So if you've got some transcode resource on-prem um, and that's at capacity, you can offload to the cloud by by offload, we, we might mean moving some content to the cloud to be um, uh, transcoded or using the most appropriate resource. So if you've got content in, in the cloud and transcode resource in the, in the cloud, content on-prem, transcode resource on-prem, BLAM will obviously intelligently use the most, um, uh, the, the closest, most 
available resources. But if you've got queues building up on your on-prem, you may wish to burst into the cloud. So you might want to transfer some content into the cloud and, and, and have it transcoded there. So that, that function, the, the automation that Blam and uh, uh, Attend Titan brings is a number of, of capabilities through, through some very simple integration. So managing queues, making sure that the resources, wherever they are on primary and cloud are being effectively um, utilized. Um, I think the, the, the um, slide that um, uh, we're looking at now is about DR. And it, it's just using the same tool set that, that we've got. So Blam is orchestrating Titan resources using the most appropriate transcoder based on where the media is, you, um, dividing up work between transcoders based on queues, um, prioritizing queues. So Blam can look at the priority of content and manage the queues on the Titan transcode engines based on need by. This file is needed before this file, but it came in later. It doesn't matter. It goes over the top. And this slide really is more about resilience. So I've lost a capability. That might be I've lost a transcoder because a machine has died or uh, an equipment room has lost power, but it may be more significant. It may be the building power has been lost. Um, and what we're able to bring, these are real world cases, um, is Blam will continue to manage the resources that are available. You know, an operator will see that um, some capability is lost, but, but it doesn't stop. Modern supply chain requires um, capabilities to be up all the time, and, and Blam supports that. Um, okay, so um, yeah, and adding resources, I think, uh, is another key aspect of the modern content supply chain. We've talked about volumes. Unfortunately, volumes aren't linear. They can be, they can be bursty. So um, large volumes of content can come in um, very short notice. Your delivery of content looks a bit like that. We all know when the busy times are before um, public holidays, uh, typically, or during sports events. And to a degree, that's predictable. But even within the uh, format programming delivery, there are, there are spikes. Um, and a modern content supply chain needs to be able to deliver smoothly through these uplifts in volume. And with, with, with a product uh, like Blam and with, with, with Titan, we can scale very, very quickly. We can add more resources as needs be, and equally we can contract that back down again. Um, but adding, adding capability to a modern content supply chain is not like it used to be in the old, oh, we have to shut everything down and bring it back up the next day, we've got a new capability. Adding resources dynamically is very much part of the modern supply chain. Yeah, and you, you touched on a good point there, actually, Julian, at the end about, you know, adding resources. And it's, it's, it's something that should, it needs to be Lego building where, hey, I just need more capacity. How do I bring that up quickly and effectively? It should be a no-brainer or a, a no-engineering type response to it. It's like, hey, I elegantly 
added additional resources to it. That becomes so important as you scale. Um, and, you know, especially in a modern microservices world, once you've done that initial configuration, it's all about being elastic uh, and it just naturally growing the system, understanding what it is it needs to do and, 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 and um, expanding. Um, so I, I think that it's a really important point about when you start to look at what it is that you're going to put into you, what are you going to use in your modern supply chain? Make sure it is technology that really is cloud native. And that cloud native doesn't necessarily mean it has to run in a public cloud that can be on-prem, but you know, the Kubernetes type technology stack is really important um, to allow you to grow effectively. And it's not only grow up, but it's go down as well. That's the whole point about elasticity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think we're talking about two two types of elasticity here. We're talking about using the resources that you, you've already got in the most efficient way. And we're also saying, well, if we need extra capacity in the future, how do we add that? Actually, very easily. Uh, and it shouldn't be difficult. So your, the modern content supply chain should manage its, its resources as effectively as possible, but also allow those resources to be added to um, in the future without, you know, without it being the nightmare that it used to be of taking systems. Yeah, and, and, you know, and then for the modern world, what are we all thinking about, you know, carbon footprint and being green, et cetera? Uh, you, you know, if you've got the control and the software that can spin down and use less CPU time, et cetera, et cetera, or give away those resources to another function that can use it effectively, that way your load balancing across your entire operation becomes important because, you know, we're all conscious of how do we, you know, play our part in moving to a, a carbon neutral uh, environment or not necessarily carbon neutral, but lowering our, our carbon footprint on the planet. So, um, you know, these are, it's only with these modern technologies that you're really achieving that. So moving forward a little bit now, we've got it, you know, uh, we call it our 11 step guide to business efficiency. Um, maybe that's a little bit, uh, uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, but it, 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 the point is, is that, you know, I think these are headlines on, you know, what to think about as you engineer your supply chain. So, you, you know, the first one here is, um, you know, reducing your operational overheads, um, through you know business logic metadata driven workflows and funnily enough we haven't talked much about metadata in this discussion so far but really it, it, it it's the it's what binds everything together you know you want to be gathering as much metadata as you can uh, whether it's from your traffic system, whether it's from uh, AI or machine learning um, you, you know whether it's from the content itself uh, out of that, you can then start to make business decisions. Um, it's how you enrich that content. Um, but, you, you know, through that metadata, you then deliver automation uh, from ingest to delivery, uh, ultimately, therefore, reducing your operational overhead. Yeah, um, I think the we, uh, in, in our kind of graph, all of our backgrounds in, in operations or, or consulting say that the the biggest um, benefits uh, of the modern supply chain is the persistence of data. Don't lose data on the way through the system. Join up your systems through data. Um, another important point on, on that first slide is about schedule awareness. And I touched on it on the uh, the previous slides on, on load balancing. 
Um, so the, 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 the workflows that, that we're building in, in BLAM or you um, should be building uh, must be schedule aware. Um, TX is still a very important part of our business. Um, equally, content needs to be on the catch-up platforms um, very soon after it's been on linear TX. So uh, another sort of e e important aspect of your design is the ability to um, prioritize workflows based on the schedule. And that ties back to, to data. Data comes from your scheduling system. Don't, don't use the, the scheduling system or the traffic system as a kind of like uh, a dumb entity. It should drive that data that comes from there to drive all of the operational processes that, um, uh, that follow on really um yeah uh, so Robert, yeah so lowering your uh, yeah so lowering your operational uh, cost or the uh, operational expenditure is uh, definite uh, uh, ask from for for anybody and as we discussed in some of the previous slides uh, you know automation is uh, is a is a way to lower your overall operational uh, cost so for the end user uh, uh, to lower their OPEX, uh, they can reduce by uh, reducing the eyes on QC. So um, actually, the number of people who are monitoring uh, the content or the reducing those eyeballs uh, allows uh, <coughs> automatic file quality control with simplified visualization. So this can be achieved in various steps. Um, so the first one, uh, when reducing multi-level QC profiles. So based on various parameters, you can apply um, weight to your uh, uh, the amount of QC you want to do. So if the content is coming from a trusted source, then uh, you can apply a very lightweight automated QC. If it is coming from an untrusted source, or um, you know, if you know that uh, it is it has not been verified, uh, then it can uh, <clears throat> be a hybrid model where uh, it can go through a rigorous auto QC first, and then can be manually re uh, re uh, reviewed for any exceptions. Beta also has some predefined templates that allow simultaneous delivery to uh, of compliant media files to multiple platforms. Uh, <clears throat> the, the sophisticated media player application allows hybrid QC to review the errors found during the auto QC uh, by playing it back simultaneously on a broadcast monitor. Um, um, the tool also has certain correction capabilities. So you know every time you don't need to go back to uh, to your content owner or uh, and that that reduces the overall uh, uh, cost. And then last but not the least, the integration with various workflow tools and solutions allow quick debugging of the problem source. So, um, you know, since the tool or even the bland platform is well integrated, it uh, you do not need to go back to uh, yeah, or, you know, fiddle to understand where the problem is. So. Uh, yeah, and the, the last point on there about um, uh, reducing storage. I don't think I've ever been to a facility where they say they've got enough storage. Everybody always needs more storage. Um, good if you're selling storage. Um, uh, and I think that's just going to that's just going to increase with UHD uh, higher uh, bit rate formats. Um, but use your storage efficiency uh, efficiently. You've got expensive storage and you've got low cost storage. It's always the case. You've got cloud storage, which is very, very inexpensive at the glacier tiers or the archive tiers. So within your automated workflow, make sure the content's in the most appropriate disk for the function. So does it need to be on a fast disk for editing or does it need to be on an LTO tape for 
archive or in, in glacier class. Let the, the process uh, decide the most appropriate place to put the content. It shouldn't need a human to sit there moving files around. Um, these processes should be, should be automated and, and rules-based, business rules-based. Um, next point here is, 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 you know, how do you manage, you know, the load balancing? And, and it doesn't really matter what the device is, but, you know, if, if, if I'm focusing on the, you know, management of Titan file transcode resources, um, you know, that's for not only load balancing, but for resilience and business continuity. Um, you know, you've got to be doing that intelligently. And that's where the workflow and orchestration sitting above that, driven by the metadata, really gives you the ability to do that. And then you get into exceptions around, um, you know, if I do lose continuity or resources in a certain place, the system automatically takes over. Um, but, you, you know, importantly, you, the old school was just pure brute force, um investment on transcode capacity so you just had to buy physical machines to deal with the peaks and nowadays you know as shown before you can have x amount on prem and then the rest in the cloud or you can be all in the cloud but then you can essentially dynamically use that and there you know if you if your model is we still want to run on prem a certain amount of capacity you don't need to do the full investment on on prem you can still burst to the cloud when you've got those peaks that way managing um, how you do your investment in a capex opex or a hybrid um, situation um, supporting on cloud and on prem and hybrid operations with the ability to burst for the peak is really the key here um, yeah, so I, I think that sort of naturally leads on to how do you manage that with powerful workflows, Julian? Uh, so I think um, there's a couple of points there that, that, that are on the slide um, that in the middle there. So we talk about integrating systems. We're not just talking about integrating your transcode capability with your QC capability. I think we're talking about integrating all business systems, right from traffic, rights management, right the way down to delivery and billing. The end-to-end -end peak, the, the value of the integration of the end-to-end -end is, is massive. So our business, we started as a consultancy business um, before we, we produced our client platform. And we used to model the costs for operators. And the biggest cost benefit was in the integration of systems. So the modern content supply chain doesn't just talk, think about video. It thinks about all of those media assets in the context of the business, the rights, the billing, um, uh, traffic. Um, and in order to, to, to make your, your business nimble, and this is a capability of our bland platform, but it should be considered in, in any context, your workflow should be configurable, not by computer scientists with PhDs, but by operational managers who need to make changes to workflows. I need to change this transcode format today only. I need to use this storage today only. I need to make a different decision on this QC for a couple of days. These things need to be, as the word this is, to support nimble operating model. I need to be able to change my workflow right now for today's work. It shouldn't be, I'll oh, go back to the manufacturer or engage the DevOps team. 
um, powerful configuration tools are the key to, to delivering uh, the modern content supply chain, I think. Yeah, and, and, and you, you know, you touched on it already, but, you know, it is about uh, migrate and integrate business-wide where it flows. And, you know, that can mean you have multiple different transcoders, um, but essentially you need to bring those under control of one system. So the resources are understood and managed as a, a holistic group of tools. Um, and that then starts to eliminate your silos because silos are never efficient because if you've got a blob of uh, software, hardware doing a specific task for a specific group and another one for another group, then you're just not gaining maximum efficiencies. When you bring it together as one holistic environment, that is really where you start to see some big efficiency gains, uh, not just at the human level, but also at the resource level itself. Um, and that naturally flows onto, again, you know, cloud native. And uh, Sarah, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah so uh, uh, being cloud native is becoming more and more uh, important. So as we talked about, uh, you know, Boston uh, uh, content or if any, any uh, you know, um, urgent requirement which comes up or so it's very difficult to, you know, uh, <clears throat> Uh, invest uh, in in uh, or do capex investments uh, then and there. So, you know, being cloud native is has sort of becoming imperative. Uh, many of the production and broadcast workflows are moving to cloud to so, uh, to save this upfront capex and uh, and you know so that they can still focus on the core competency than worry about managing the infrastructure. <clears throat> so, the solution should be well architected to be deployed on uh, at least on the uh, the various uh, public cloud infrastructures like aws azure or uh, google cloud <clears throat> and um, if you know if uh, you still want most of the components to be on prem the the capability to at least you know analyze or uh, <clears throat> work on content which is available on uh, uh, on the cloud so making it a truly cloud uh, hybrid solution and then last but not least, uh, as you know, uh, Julian was hinting that there's an on-demand auto expansion. So, which means that as and when required, uh, you can always offload the uh, the coming load to, to the cloud so that you don't invest too much uh, and uh, and use that facility only on, on need basis. So, you know, these are, these are some of the primary uh, uh, requirements, which, uh, which so be, being cloud native is becoming imperative. Aha. Uh -huh. um, so you could say that when you've joined up your content supply chain with a platform um, like Blam, uh, all of this data is, is available to you. Um, it's, it's kind of like almost like a side benefit of the integrated supply chain. Um, but equally, um, it's the, there's a, a management imperative there for it as well. So, um, Dashboards, what is the overall state of my operation? And we've actually been having this conversation just this week with people saying, oh, I want to be able to see the detail of all my workflows. Well, actually, no, you don't, because there's so much content going through. What you really want to see is when there's a problem with the ability to look into your workflows. Um, so take a layered approach. Dashboards, highlighting errors, um, showing throughput, um, highlighting bottlenecks, um, those kind of insights 
visible on a screen in front of you are increasingly important, particularly with these um, throughput volumes. Um, we also have a lot of customers who want to track their costs very closely. Um, you know, burstable capability equals burstable cost, and, and, and some operators are a bit nervous of that, so they just want to keep track of things. Equally, they want to attribute cost to a specific production or a specific delivery. So having that data, being able to manage that information, um, both in real time and kind of like offline reporting is is very, very um, important. Uh, but it, it kind of naturally falls out of, of the modern supply chain. Um, so it's both kind of like a necessity and, and the benefit of the modern supply chain. But it does mean that we can provide very, very specific data um, on, on the supply chain, um, which could inform management information um, very, very quickly. You know, the kind of management information that informs management decisions being available within minutes rather than days. Um, so, yeah, both a benefit and a necessity of the modern supply chain, I think. Yeah. So let, let, let's um, ha have a look at, um, you, you know, a, a sort of a, a summary of the situation here. Well, it's what situation, what, what we feel are really is important. Um, you know, you know it, the system should be for operations. It's not an engineering tool. It's designed and to be run by operations day in, day out. Of course, engineering is needed. Um, and, um, but, but, you know, the focus of the tool should always be operational centric. It's how does it solve the day-to-day 24-7 operational demand to simplify and reduce uh, operational impact. And out of that, it's, you know, first is connecting the disparate systems. And we talked already about, you know, aggregation of metadata, driving those workflows, um, giving you broad visibility as, as just Julian just spoke about. Um, all those tools and workflows ultimately enable you to lower the friction of your business operation. And that, that really is key. So connecting everything together to have a simple, well, not simple, it'll be highly complex actually, but to generate ultimately what is a simple operation for you to do uh, in that managed by exception. Out of that, you are doing that automation, which is driving and creating efficiencies in your operation. Um, how do you best use your tools, whether it's on-prem, cloud, uh, or a hybrid? Um, you know, you want to be able to span those environments and be elastic to deal with your capacity. And it's only through automation that you're going to achieve that. Um, and then finally, you know, um, it, it's everyone's looking at, you know, how do they become more efficient through efficiency is the ability to uh, lower your operational cost. But the flip side to that, of course, is how do you drive new revenue? What are the new opportunities? So the system needs to be nimble to enable uh, new opportunities to go to market with new features and workflows, new delivery points. Um, to exploit, you know, to, to, you know, service your customers, whether that's directly to, in a B2C or in a B2B environment, you know, how do you get more out of your platform to ultimately grow your business to the next level? So that, 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 that's really the summary of, uh, of where we think 
how you should be managing your next-gen supply chain or media supply chain. Um, I think it would be interesting. Babu, did you finally get some results on the, um, on the poll? What was the winner? So um, being highly agile is the winner. The second winner being ability to have granular cost reporting for each transaction. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Thank you, everyone. And, and uh, yes, uh, thank you, John, we, Julian, and Intra. So following the session, I have a few questions from the team, uh, from the attendees as well. Uh, probably let me read out for you guys. As the first question being uh, to Julian, you. Uh, what is the best approach to get going on a modern media supply chain? Uh, yes. So I probably should pick it up because I kind of, our business started off doing implementation of other systems before we, we developed our own. Um, I would say start small. So we've shown a lot of drawings today that look very complicated and they, they can be. Um, so I would, um, starting small, proving it, proving it to your management that it, it can deliver benefits and grow from there. So uh, and what, where do you start? What's your biggest point of pain? What's the biggest difficulty? Talk to your operational teams. What's your biggest day-to-day -day difficulty? And that's, that will naturally tell you where to start. Or what's your new revenue stream? You know, the business might say, well, we're going to deliver this new capability. And think to yourself, like, okay, rather than doing that in the old way with lots of humans running around, let's try and do this with automation. Let's try and build a supply chain based on this outcome. So yeah, so start small, uh, definitely start small. Don't try and do everything at once because you'll fail and failure is, is not good for anyone. Uh, start small and either pick a point of pain that is a day-to-day -day bugbear for the operational teams or look at an upcoming business opportunity and say, let's do this differently. Maybe you're doing an EA, uh, UHD workflow. Okay, let's not do it the way we've always done it. Let's invest in uh, a modern supply chain. Interesting. Thank you, Julian. And uh, one more question for you. Um, if you are working between uh, on-prem and the cloud, how is security impacted by this? Um, okay, so uh, let's just get one thing clear. The cloud is probably more secure, if set up correctly, than the disk storage in the facility. Um, so the, I, I always kind of thought that the, the cloud being insecure was always a bit of a myth, and I think that that kind of is being... Um, myth busted, if you like. So I think people do understand that cloud is actually probably more secure than on-prem. Um, and, and how do you get there? The, 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 you can build security in the links between your, your various um, uh, content repositories or, or capabilities. So security is inherent in the cloud and indeed the tools that connect the cloud to the ground. So really security should be the least of your worries, actually, I think. All right. Um, thank you, Julian. And uh, I think given the view of time, uh, I think that's it. So I don't see any other open questions here. Uh, thank you once again, uh, Julian, uh, Saurabh, and John Wee. Uh, it was an exciting session. Uh, have a good day. And uh, thank you, guys. Now, we are at the end of the 16th podcast. 
If you want to find out more, you can go to the atem.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover boosting revenues when migrating from IPTV to OTT. Don't miss out! Yeah.